bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello. Justin Robert Young. Hello, friends. And Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hi, that's me. I'm little, I'm tiny. <laughs> little Bryce. I'm tiny. Oh, little Bryce. Little Bryce is yeah. back, everybody. Experiment on Modern Rogue went awry. They shrunk Bryce. I need to make a bigger eye now. <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen uh i actually what i want to talk about one is a couple little bits bits of space news first there may be another test of the starship starship nine tonight so if you're listening to this tomorrow or so whenever you get this maybe it worked or maybe it'll happen this week so they're continuing to test this so that's going to be cool that's space spacex's starship their next generation fully reusable rocket and they're going to keep testing this which is kind of cool that keeps moving forward uh, they just launched yesterday their first big ride share with the Falcon 9, where they had something like 140 payloads and satellites on board that they were able to put into orbit, which is pretty incredible. So when I saw this headline, I totally just assumed 143 satellites being put into space. I just assumed all of them Starlink, but I guess now I'm finding out that's not the case at all. Yeah, these are all like different customers, different people who have different payloads and satellites that they want to put up there. SpaceX had announced this pro project or program a while ago, which was, you know, you know, that whole part about us wanting to make space cheap and easy for anybody to launch stuff. Uh, that's apparently, uh, you know, one of the things it's that's happening. There are several. Yeah. And there are other, you know, there's Rocket Labs and other companies, too, that are working on really cool, like smaller rockets that can, you know, put stuff into orbit. You know, where you put like one or you know, just a few payloads here, 143 is pretty impressive until we find out what's uh, on board, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's how, all asbestos. How... We're going we're gonna <laughs> to drop asbestos into the atmosphere. How public is that information? Like, like could, could, could we theoretically, let's say we uh, already... I would imagine... Could we have an expectation of privacy to send up, let's say, uh, I don't know, a, a, just a, a, a ball filled with prismatic glass that refracts sunlight at a certain hour to look like a, a pair of diamonds or something like, could we get away with doing that without the whole world knowing what we're up to? I don't think SpaceX will let you. Um, I think that it depends. Like, you know, there's certain you know, things that they're going to want to make sure that the payload isn't going to be problematic for them. Um, but here, like, yeah. they was 48 Earth imaging satellites from uh, Planet, uh, a company, uh, 17 communication satellites for Toronto-based Kepler, and 30 small satellites are U.S. and Europe, packaged by Berlin, Germany-based ExoLaunch. So they worked with another company, ExoLaunch. So I would imagine, no, I want to put a bunch of things that are going to have this. There probably are provisions to say, like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Because they'll yeah, be yeah, the ones yeah, that yeah. get the we 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 we'd have to go through like cheapo Ed's uh, uh, uh super rapid budget satellite launch. You know, we got to go through a dicier uh, vendor on that one. SpaceX is like the uh, they're 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 the top of the top of the pops. 
cheap. We need we need cheapo Ed's satellite launch. SpaceX is too classy. We for need us. we need those guys that launched a disco ball into space and made a bunch of astronauts angry, uh, or astrophysicists or something. I don't even know if that yeah. disco ball ever went up or not. Uh, I don't know. It did. I think that may have been Rock. Was that Rocket Labs who did that? Yeah, um, yeah Rocket down, Lab who used south. the electron booster from New Zealand. Yeah. The Humanity Star, gentlemen. It was the Humanity Star. Okay. So, not a disco ball. The Humanity Star. No. The Humanity Star, right? Oh, I, I'm sorry. Are you against humanity or stars? I mean, yeah, I'm, ju I'm just mad it. it's going to take so long until I could see it in North America. Well, it's already reentered and burned up, so. <sighs> Even mm. longer. Even longer. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, it's, it in maybe it's in your maybe maybe it's in your lungs right now, Brian. Yeah. You are the humanity so, star. Uh, but it is it is very much an exciting point to be in space because we have multiple launch providers now and, and internationally too. You know, India has India had the record previously for the largest number of payloads launched, which is 104. There are a lot of these, not a lot, but there are a number of like imaging companies that are like putting up these small satellites or doing earth imaging, which is just a very, very, very useful for things like agriculture, et cetera, uh, urban density, a lot of applications there. So it's kind of a cool, it's, it's start thinking folks about what you want to put into space. What kind of data do you want? What kind of materials research do you want to do? And we haven't even really started doing much of that, like, you know, sending satellites up to try to make things. I, I suppose at this point, like, I'd be more curious, like, what, what hasn't already been figured out? I mean, what can you do? Take temperatures, uh, look at infrared lights, measure light, uh, uh, send a signal, bounce a signal, internet, something I think rather? I don't know, man. I, I, I think there's a wealth. Like, we're, we're literally, it's like, like what, what can you do with the open water what, what what can you do with new land like you know there's 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 an infinite possibility when you make it cheap enough to interact with it yeah i mean a hypothetical could be you know let's say you're a company you want to provide data for companies that want to figure out where to do expansions you could put satellites up you could build imaging systems that could keep track track of traffic flows you know put a you know 50 60 satellites up that constantly monitor look at urban areas and stuff and see like, wow, how many people really are in this place? How many people are here? You know, what cars are moved from from here to here? What's energy usage? You know, you could go look and see in developing worlds like, oh, are there energy consumptions going up or down? You know, do we want to plant? You know, is this a place where we want to, you know, consider investing in? There's so much in the imaging side alone. I know people who are working on stuff on forestry projects, agriculture, uh, oceans projects, things like this, tracking like blooms, things like this, et cetera. And you just get into anything that you would want information about that could, you know, what could you know that you could see from space? You know, one of my favorite stories about Sam Walton was the way Sam Walton would build Walmarts was he would go rent an airplane and go up in a little small airplane and fly around an area and look for the sky to find like that best spot. And he would sometimes like even land in a farmer's field and go make a deal with them right then and there to option the land to build a Walmart. Also, strangely enough, opening segment to Gleaming the Cube, where they would get up in a plane, look around for empty pools to skateboard in. Oh, God, I totally forgot about that. Right. But yeah. imagine, imagine that, but with Walmarts. Well, wouldn't he also, uh, uh, Sam Waltman would land in your parking lot 
if it wasn't busy at at a Walmart and come figure out why your Walmart wasn't busy enough. I could see it. Uh, I forget well, where Brian, I read that. Br- <clears throat> but that point you brought up from Gleaming the Cube uh, is is if you're, let's say, you're trying to figure out like, oh, do I want to invest in a real estate market? There's data that's available. There's data that's not. And let's say, you're like, man, a lot of these pools are empty. I think these people have these homes, but nobody's living there. Or are there, you know, there are no cars in these driveways. And all of a sudden, you could decide like, oh, I think this real estate market might be cooling down. And there are a lot of little things like that. Just you think about a business or sector, and you can start figuring out you know, ways in which that data could be useful. You know, If you're a farmer, um, you might want to know, and you're part of a, farm, a large farm company or industry is like, hey, how many cattle do my competitors have? You know, what do they have going on? Well, you know, how much equipment? I, I, I think you showed a spotlight on a blind spot for me, which was like, it's tempting to think, yeah, there's lots of cameras up in the sky. Why would you want to launch more cameras? And the answer, of course, is so you don't have to rent other people's cameras because time slices can be very expensive. Or maybe the government doesn't want to loan you your their camera to look at this particular area for this self-serving need or whatever. Uh, one thing... That's great about having your own camera. You can point it wherever you want, whenever you want, however long you want. Exactly. And that's the thing is it like, uh, it's just, you know, the earth is big. Earth is big. And when you want to get like- You heard it here first, people. Facts, folks. Facts. Uh, When you want to look at, if you're just trying to spot the number of construct pieces of construction equipment in China, you know, you might, you know, you're going to want to use- a certain number of dedicated satellites to be able to do that or keep track of that. So, and that's just the earth imaging side. We're eventually going to get into like materials development, things like this, you know, you know, sending up machines that sort of like build things like fiber optics, do chemical experiments. We've done this to a little extent, but there are, when you're in microgravity, you know, when you're in weightlessness, physics and chemistry function differently. Well, I mean, physics is the same everywhere, but the idea of like not having the ablative effects of things being flattened out, whatever, structures, proteins, things like this, they loosen up and change. There's a lot of things we've observed in like the space station as far as like how bacteria behave, even people's health. We don't know. We don't know because it's just, we didn't evolve in a, we didn't evolve in a weightless environment. That'll be exciting. Start planning your science fair projects, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along with your planning for your science fair projects, you should plan to financially support us. Yeah, patreon.com. Pay the science fair, F A R E. It's only fair to us if you pay us the science fair, which is the ticket cost to experience science. Be the fairing on our rocket to science because you will support us at patreon.com slash weird things. So, gentlemen, I would like to ask you your opinions right now about Oculus Quest 2. Both of you have an interesting experience because you've, you've, you're not VR newbies. You are Vive owners. You've worked in, you've done in six degrees of freedom. You've been using that for years. You have a lot of experience with that. And going down to the Quest is a bit of a downgrade from a graphics point of view. And that's why a lot of people who are using tethered systems, you know, we're hesitant because it's like, I got the state of the art, much more visual, much more powerful engine driving my VR thing. Why would I want to use this? And I was always try to equate that. Like, it's kind of like saying I got a desktop. Why would I want to use a phone or a mobile laptop? And I'm like, 
there's a difference, but I want to hear your thoughts. Well, the, the biggest thing, and it's not just me and Justin, but also Bryce as well, the three of us together have in common that Andrew Maine has refused to friend any of us on Oculus. No, hold on. I, no, I have to. I, I finally got a friend request oh. from Andrew Maine. Oh, Brian, maybe you should check. Oh, oh, maybe Andrew hadn't been on his in a week and then mm. realized there was a friend request. Oh, okay, and maybe okay. you got friended last night. Oh, oh. Uh, maybe Bryce doesn't oh, have one. Oh, my yeah, God. Maybe Bryce this never is, these are one. the kinds of twists and turns that you would subscribe to this podcast <laughs> for. <laughs> dang it. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, no, I look, I'm, I'm, I am out front. I think that the quest two is a game changer. Um, I, I don't know if it's the iPhone or the sidekick, but both of those to me were quantum leaps beyond what, uh, cell phone technology was prior to that. They, they, they had direct purposes. They did things that were beyond the scope of, uh, you know, what had been imagined before. And, uh, look, the, the Vive to me is a curated extension of PC gaming. And that's why oftentimes when you had frustrations, it was because PC games are known to be big and expansive. They often are the best ways that you can run AAA titles. And so VR in its infancy with the Vive was at times frustrating because the games were short. And yes, they looked great and, and, the, and, and the graphics were fantastic. But what Oculus Quest 2 does is just bring you strap it on and go functionality that it just can't be beat. Like the, the, the fact that you don't got to worry about booting up steam and then booting up a game and hoping all that works and hoping your lighthouses are still, uh, in, in the right place and hasn't gotten nudged, uh, uh, that everything's charged. Like the, the only thing that needs to be charged is your headset. So as long as you remember to put that on a charger, then you are ready to go whenever you want. And uh, uh, I have had a blast, blast with it so far. Uh, it is truly remarkable how suddenly you feel like you're in the same room with people when you put this on. However, um, there is a bit of an uncanny valley because it almost does the thing that, that on this very show we have... Uh, wished for we we rubbed the the lantern we wished to the genie we said how much fun would it be to have an ar vr experience where you could just strap on a helmet go run it around zilker park and 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 not worry about running into anything but be in a medieval wonderscape or whatever and man for for a hot second did it feel that way because i was outside i was playing putt putt on an actual lawn outdoors with the wi-fi and everything and then, uh, then the sun came out. And once the sun came out, man, the Quest 2 really would appreciate it if you had a little thing called walls. It's like, uh, man, I'm doing my best here. <laughs> but it looks like there's this, you know, uh, 4,000 Kelvin bright light in the room and it's blinding me. And also, could you please have some walls here? Because I don't exactly have GPS tracking here. Uh, but, but, but that's me just wanting to 
wish for the the next iteration. That's, that's 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 Brian immediately running to the edge of the product's uh, uh, abilities and hitting a wall. <laughs> yes, yes, hundred percent. I, I, I would I'm I'm gonna fifty percent go, Brian. You're being ridiculous. This is a thing. It's not supposed to really be doing this. The other part of me, like a couple years from now. We're going to be like, you know what? It really sucks. Can't use it outside. I want to go be able to put the next gen, you know, things. We're going to be like, what? You have to use it indoors. It's, and, it's a and, baby and it almost does it because like uh, you draw the barriers and when you get to the ed barriers, it gives a, a pretty good AR experience where everything goes grayscale. You're able to essentially have stereoscopic vision, like with your eyes, like, um, uh, um, uh, like as you raise your hands, you could check the time on your watch or whatever, but then you take like five more steps and you could tell like at some point Facebook's lawyers got involved and they're all like, Hey, 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 at some point we have to make it clear that this is not a device that's meant to be worn at all times with a full freedom of movement in the outside world. So it then is, all of a sudden it, it just not, turns that, off to that's black. That's not, that's not, that's not, that's not. It literally has to do with the IR sensors in the light. They're the it, it, it's it's not a the trying to make it not work outside. It's literally a limitation of IR. In some oh no, no no no! But but uh, so so what happens is is you define your play area, and then when you get to the edge, you get a, a grid, and if you keep oh, going yeah. beyond, then it goes to okay, just turn on the cameras, turn on the cameras that are on the front of the headset of it, and you get to walk around with the intention of like, please walk back to the play area. But if you keep walking outside of it, it very much decides like, okay, I don't know what you're doing, but well, it's not what we want you to do with this device. Well, well, Shut I, it off. <laughs> yeah, but look up stadium mode. That's a dev mode. They actually used a version of stadium mode, which is designed to eventually allow you to test it. Because right now the games and stuff, they're designed for limited play spaces, but they do have a thing that's called stadium mode. You can unlock that, which allows you to go much more free, like inside of a basketball court or whatever. Ah, all right. Cool. Well, I'll check that out. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, uh, so far, so good. Uh, uh, the, 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 the graphics are, well, I mean, again, it's like, you know, the Game Boy's graphics wasn't as good as, you know, Super Nintendo, but it didn't make the Game Boy any less of an amazing device. Like, it, or the Wii, you know, like, 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 uh, the Wii added motion control in the sense of, you know, like, oh, look at me, I'm pretending. Yeah, bowling. I mean, I guess, I guess, I, I just think there is something to the freedom of this that is really remarkable. Like, I had the same experience with that device in a hotel room in Atlanta, in two hotel rooms in Oakland while I was quarantining, and in two different rooms in my house. Like, that is amazing for VR. When, when VR, the way that, like, I, I had initially thought of it was make sure that three different things are charged and then have two different points of failure on my PC. Right. If everything worked great. Right. Like I still haven't played through Half-Life Alex. I'm sure it's amazing. But uh, man, was it really great to play Pistol Whip and Trover Saves the Universe and and uh, uh, Dash Dash uh, uh, their, their, you know, uh, go kart game and then Putt Putt like all over the place. I played it by myself. I played it with friends like like 
it is still dependent on internet. I'll be curious to see if they get to a place where you're just getting a 5G plan and now you're totally, uh, you know, uh, possibly separated from Wi-Fi and stuff. But other than that, if you've got decent internet, you can uh, download and do multiplayer. And otherwise, it is, uh, uh, you know, separate from the internet because if it's downloaded to the headset, you're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, uh, the the gaming content on there, um, it, it's amazing what they've done. Like, Pistol Whip's a great game where the graphics, they said, okay, we're not going to do, like, super realistic graphics, but we're going to use a stylized kind of, you know, John Wick comic book style graphics. It's a great game. Like, Pistol Whip's just a great It's so game. fun. Yeah. I, 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 I actually just need more space because I, both in the hotel rooms and in in my studio if i'm not playing out in my living room uh as you get to some of the better levels the, it gets a little bit more kind of like getting you know going through tight spaces and ducking under columns and everything and i was i was hitting my uh hitting my barrier too much but okay, it's so, so questions good. so people, fun people are asking uh fatigue like how long have you played before you start to notice it or get you know the with the headset on uh i i have not yet bumped up against any any upper bound i mean if anything uh the the closest thing i could think of is is like on on the the vive uh because there's so much heft to it and because eventually batteries go out or whatever like half-life alex and you're playing like six hours at a time yeah yeah uh yeah you'll you'll get bummed out at some point but but it's it's a it's a pretty light and light experience. I could I could imagine going six seven hours without even thinking. If you get a chance, if you don't already have, uh, get the uh, the bigger band out of the pro band or head strap, which is great. So you got the dial and adjust whatever. It's like fifty bucks. Um, makes it even easier to put on. Yeah, oh, cool. I have I have noticed that uh, now that I have longer hair, the fact that everything is straps, it's like. The hair wants to slide forward, which is a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. Um, you know, it's like base model Quest now is 300, which is, you think of what you're getting is amazing. And then you can add this. For, people are like, oh, it's 50 bucks extra from this. Like the Quest used to be 400. So now, yeah. you know, you could, you, you for 350, you get a bigger, better, you know, a, you know lighter, whatever capable thing. Uh, I have back there, I have the Anchor Charger, which is a charging station. And it comes with like this little, uh usb-c thing that you plug into the side here which is a little magnetic thing so all i have to do is just drop this in and it'll automatically charge i don't have to fiddle or plug anything in and they give you rechargeable batteries the remotes and a special battery ca a case cover so you just drop your hand your your uh your controllers in there and it just charges and this is just uh super convenient because now um boom you know, you drop it in and it's charging. And that was like 80 bucks or something. So uh, I'm buying I this did. strap right now. Yeah, I, I, rec I recommend it if you have the means. Um, I played last night with you guys. How much do you know about Facebook Horizon? Nothing. Not a whole lot. I think I know why now. Um, so Facebook has been launching, they announced this well over a year ago, Facebook Horizon, which was going to be their big VR world that you could go play and interact and do different kinds of stuff. A lot like Rec Room, a lot like Rec Room. In Rec Room, if you haven't checked out, Rec Room's really neat, a neat place where you can go make your own experiences in there. 
Um, I've had a, I have a friend that's like gone crazy. You go to rec room and design your own interactive games inside VR. And you have this controller with like, if this does this, you literally draw, have a cable go from here to there. So if you step here, this door opens or in this stuff. So Facebook has built their system called horizon, which is environment where you can go in there and you can play games and do stuff with people. Uh, I went in there last night. Um, I finally got an invite to go try it. And, uh, I was done in 15 minutes. Um, oh, really? Not. It's. I'm sure there are great experiences stuff in there, but if you go in there by yourself and you're not part of a group and you're not eager to, you know, team up with a bunch of randos, uh, I don't know what to do. I, like, there's like this menu of things you could do, and like, I have no idea what I should go do. I have no idea what each kind of thing is. I felt. I felt like it was a bit half-baked. The graphics, they use a super kind of low-poly style, which is almost a little bit too low-poly for me. I'm sure there are probably awesome experiences in there, but I went in there, you you, you, launch, you come to the sort of landing port, and you're there, and then you can walk around, and there are just people randomly chatting, and then there's like, oh, you can go pull up a menu and see these experiences. There's not a lot of information on what each one of these things are, and I went to do this Wild West puzzle thing, and I go in there, and I'm like, okay, I got a thing. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> and like, um, uh, okay, now what? Um, and they've been working this out for over a year. And I wonder, is it just, is it just, is it because they're not a game studio? I, I think so. I, I think when I even watched the demo there, it felt like something that they didn't know what they wanted to do because none of the stuff looked fun none of the stuff looked really fun like make fake ramen with your friends if you gave me a a, a free thing that me and my wife would go on a date night to make ramen i would I'd be like yeah okay well maybe <laughs> i hope it'll be fun right and not just a thing we could do at home uh obviously there are there are elements like you know, like the, the walkabout putt putt game is like the thing that I spent the most time playing. So there mm -hmm. are, there are physics things that can be good, but it, it wasn't like, Oh, this is the kind of thing that I want to engage with my friends. Uh, about, I want to talk about like, like, I don't know as, as somebody who has spent, you know, a, a portion of his, uh, life as a professional game designer, uh, it did not seem like a game that I thought was immediately screamed fun and interesting. I, I, I would say maybe 7% of all the time I've spent on the quest two has been alone time. Uh, and, and I hated every minute of it. It's like, well, why am I even here? A browser, uh, for a giant screen. How about I take this off and open up my real life giant screen browser? Or it's like, um, Playing with randos, no thanks, because I know what the internet is filled with. It's weirdos, you know? So it's like, uh, like as it's, my experience has been, imagine the best conference call you've been on, and you happen to be playing putt-putt at the same time. That's, yeah. that's, that's this experience at its best. Yeah, walk about golf, that it is... Like the best experiences, I think, like on the Oculus that really showcase what VR can do 
from a physics, like, I mean, if you're not doing social stuff, like Beat Saber is amazing. Beat Saber is amazing. And, and it's works best in VR. Pistol Whip is a VR game. You would, I couldn't imagine. It's not going to be, it wouldn't be a fun game if we're on your iPhone. And then Walkabout Golf is just this, I remember when they first got, I'm like, oh, let me, when I first got the quest, I'm like, oh, let me look for some cool, like, putt-putt golf thing. And there was some garbage one that wasn't good. And there was another golf one that, like, was like a golf train. Like, these suck. And then Walkabout came, and I'm like, it's what I always wanted. It's what I dreamed of. And it's not. And then at first, you just played by yourself. And then they had multi-user mode. And then, yeah, chilling out with friends and playing that is just, yeah, that's a great social VR. Here's, here's the thing that scares me about Facebook Horizon, that they don't even realize how scary this is. When you When you get it, you have your your controls on your wrist and you turn your wrist over and there are three buttons. There's a menu button you can tap to have a menu. There's the microphone button, which is default on so people can hear you and chat with you, which by the way, even if you close the game, it will work because that microphone thing works throughout Quest because oh, it's Facebook yeah, and it's yeah. social. So you have to remember to mute yourself. Then the third button puts this wall and basically like nobody can talk to you or whatever and you're in a safe space. which. Like if you if you have to have a and you put it that way, like, oh, and here's your safe space button, like for the love of God, why are you even calling it that? Because now I'm like, well, am I are you throwing me into a like a bunch of perverts? Like, am I being thrown yeah. into a prison rec rod? Like, why you could have another way to do it, but the fact like and your safe space button, like, oh geez, like this is just is this experience gonna be that scary and that bad? yeah that's weird i don't like that at all and also it's like it just if you're just mixing people together to mix people together then you're doing a tech demo you're basically just proving that you can have there be a multiplayer thing and you're candy coating it uh if you're not binding people together for a cause that people can rally around and bring something else out of them and, and brings joy, brings excitement, brings fun, brings adrenaline, whatever, then what's the point? What are you even doing? Like, like I, I totally agree. If you've got to build something where default along with your microphone, you have a safe space thing, then you're, then you, you, you might not have designed a great thing. Yeah, they do. They do a great job of making it easy to see who your friends are, you know, who you could connect with and do that. They do a very, very good job of that. Like you log in there and you can see like, oh, these are, uh, excuse me, it's safe zone. It's a zone, not a space. Totally different. Uh, and so the, the it's called a is panic like, area, not a panic room. Totally different. Yeah. And it's it's like. And I get like, I think that in building a system like this, you want to have mechanisms for monitoring, you know, abusive behavior, people who are weird and whatever. I think all those things are necessary to an extent. But when it's so put to the surface by default, like, oh, yeah, here's the button when the perverts start talking to you. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, here's your rape whistle. Welcome to our shopping mall. Hope you enjoy. Here's your rape whistle. Here's your mace. Yeah. See, to me, it's like, I, if they had stuff like that, but it was some maybe an automated version of like uh, uh, 
some kind of quiz or like a, a, a spelling bee, a geography con, some thing where you were just connecting with people on, on some kind of level that you were able to interact with. And then you could have a conversation if you want, you and your friends could join a pub quiz kind of thing, like something like that. Like that could be fun, a, a, a super enhanced version of that. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, we're going to get to there. I think, I think it's some, either them or somewhere. I think we'll get to the point where we could do, cause I was playing like, it'd be fun to do. Like we could do weird. We could all host weird things now inside of VR, you know, that'd be yeah. sort of a fun thing. Um, cause you could create cool visual elements and not just make it where we're using crappy microphones to do a podcast. But the way they did the rollout is interesting because it's not like, Hey, Andrew, here's your invite. Now you can invite a few of your friends because then it would be easier for me to do, oh, cool. Hey, Justin, Brian, you know, let's go play this. Bryce never sent me an invite. So tech with him. Um, we could, it'd be a lot easier to do that. I don't know. I wonder if it's just technical, I'm buggy if they're having issues or whatever. Cause it's just for something that's been this long in the making, I was like underwhelmed. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, feels like does, a lot does of cooks in the kitchen. Making say fake a ramen. little something that like I've, I've, I've heard, uh, bug all about any of this. Like, like this is the first time hearing about it. Public beta started in August. Wow. Wow. And they were testing it in the year before. So it's been around for a while. And I think that, it's amazing that a company the size of Facebook has taken this long and even still they're not even, you know, it's, it's, it's even like on the box, I think for your Oculus, I even think they yeah. mentioned horizon. On I think there, they but... do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm curious to see what happens with Facebook and Oculus because, uh, it, this is a hit. This is a hit device. Everybody that I know that gets it loves it. Um, it is it is democratized VR the way that we had kind of hoped. I wonder whether or not they are going to be the ones that really break it super wide open. And that's why, to me, I don't know if it's the iPhone or the sidekick. I know that I loved my sidekick. I adored my sidekick. Because it was a quantum leap forward in terms of a phone, but it wasn't I'll, the iPhone. The iPhone, the another, iPhone, the iPhone was was, 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 was a far more polished thing. Go ahead, BlackBerry. Yeah, because the the sidekick was cool, but it was a BlackBerry for the rest of us. Where this is like, hey, this is really cool. Look what I can do. I'm doing email. I'm doing all the stuff. I'm remote. I'm I'm doing all these things, and it was a technological leap. But once somebody solved the other such problems around it, you know, because um, it was Sidekick was never a major force. Oculus is the only name in mobile VR right now. Uh, oh, yeah, totally. You know, so like they look like, hey, they got everything. And that's like Blackberry looked like, oh, yeah, they got everything. Now, what could displace a Blackberry? And it's like, well, you know, a really good. Yeah, I guess know, the only happy. question is exactly how big that pie is. And, and uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And we'll see, you know, the, the rumors, another round of rumors that Apple is, is, uh, you know, that, that, that their, their focus is, is on a super lightweight headset that'll, that'll cost uh, much more than, uh, the Oculus Quest 2's like $300 price point. So, um, we will, uh, we, we will see, but having, watched the Oculus Quest or having played with the Oculus Quest V2 uh, or VR2 and loved it, it I, I 
you know, was like, oh no, this is the step that Apple normally comes in. It's at this level that Apple's like all the polish, all the power, triple the cost. Let's go. Yeah. I think the other, the big part of it too, is that we want, we want the metaverse, you know, we want that big, that environment. And I think that the problem is, is that the, and you know, Neil Stevenson books, like nobody really controls it. It's the internet in 3d. And I think that until we really start embracing browser based VR more fully, which you can do that. There's like, you know, I've made experiences and stuff and in browser stuff, and I can't get anybody I know who's a VR headset to ever try it because people rarely on VR ever go into the browser and do stuff because it's a subpar experience. But I think that's, I think that's a huge opportunity is to create, you know, open platform, whatever sort of worlds and systems. So, Gentlemen, do you want to do picks? Yeah, man. I uh, started watching Dave last night on uh, Hulu, question mark, I think. Um, I think it's Hulu. But uh, uh, The Adventures of uh, Lil Dicky. Uh, it's, it's fun. It's funny. It's adult. It's body. It's awful. It's awkward. It reminded me a lot of um, uh, the things I liked about Atlanta, uh, only whiter. Uh, <laughs> and so in that regard, highly recommended two episodes in so far, really digging it. Cool. Um, I'm going to pick heaven's gate, the cult of cults on HBO mm-hmm. max four episode, uh, documentary about, uh, and, and I think it's, it's really well done. I, I, I was hesitant to kind of dive into this because post, Nixium, uh, I was, I was kind of, uh, frustrated. I, I think once you watch all of the secret or the vow, whatever it was called, like, uh, I, I was just kind of done being explained how sociopaths can affect people. It was just like, okay, all right. And maybe I'm also just burnt out with politics, but uh, this is something that is truly, truly fascinating. It's the largest uh, suicide, mass suicide on U.S. soil to this day. Um, and it's one in, in that it's unique in, in terms of a lot of cult stuff and that it is literally sexless. It has its own beliefs. Certainly you have a lot of these controlling, domineering forces, but also a lot of great, great ex-member interviews and people and family member interviews that are are all about getting the nuance of 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 what was happening there and even what their opinions are now which i found uh very interesting it's i really i enjoyed it too i really thought it was you can do a really good story when you try to get away from the bs and the reenactments and trying to manufacture a point of view that didn't exist like happened in the nexium one which really drove me nuts and made me distrust the storytelling you know significantly yeah. um because it was like well if this isn't the way it happened what else whatever and not that i think rainier is a good guy at all but when you're watching how far people go to shift a narrative and to create heroes and whatnot it's like mm, uh I enjoyed this too. My one caveat would say, and it's not really a crit, but more of having been involved in the skeptic community at the time of Heaven's Gate and the whole hell bop uh, comet, like, you know, hysteria and everything else like this. 
I would love to have seen a bit more like that because the, we forget the mid nineties were some crazy times with yeah. millennium cults, all this other stuff, because it felt like this, they're showing this sort of an isolation. And I'm like, there was a lot of this going on. Like nineties, mid nineties was like the decade of the cult, you know, the branch Davidians well, and, and all that. Whether it's just sort of a vague um, anxiety of coming up on a new millennium, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the cash in of that with like the Lynn, Lance Erickson uh, uh, Fox series millennium, this sort of like vague end of days. Uh, end of days was a Arnold Schwarzenegger movie uh, uh, coming out. Uh, like uh, on top of that, you had the quote unquote real threat of Y2K bug. Like, like there, there was a scientific, no matter what flavor a belief system you subscribe to, there was a track for you to feel anxiety as we got close to the year 2000. And we had the internet for everybody to talk about it. And that was how we knew about yeah. you know, the Heaven's Gate, their cult, their website. You could, their website's still up, by the way. Yep. And that was the thing is you could go there and that was a sort of like all these message forums and all the stuff just would exploded because now anybody who was, you know, the slightly off kilter sort of question or idea about stuff you know, could go there, could, you know, you could, you could find each other. So, uh, but yeah, I think it, I think it was, it was yeah, absolutely very well done, you know, documentary, but I would love to see more on that, which we just, it's memory to, hold. We just forget how nutty we were. To your point, Andrew, I think that there is a whole nother documentary about, you know, starting at, at Ruby Ridge and ending at, you know, uh, the, the, the end of the millennium with, uh, I mean, you know, Waco. Starting in Waco. Yeah. Wait, well, no, Waco was, Ru was no, before Ruby. Ruby. I thought, I thought, Ruby, oh, was it? Yeah. I thought it was, thought uh, Waco was, I was in high school. Ruby Ridge, uh, was in Montana and, and I feel like I was okay. in college. Then, and yeah. Then, then, and then, then starting and then in, along with that, yeah, uh, uh, sprinkle a little Oklahoma city bombing in there. Well, yeah, then, no, that, yeah, that's, uh, uh, the Waco siege was February '93. Ruby Ridge was '92. Was a year before. Oh wow! Wow. Uh, yeah, because I, I I thought I remembered. Uh, yeah, that that the Ruby Ridge thing was before. Anyway, um, and but but yeah, I think that that there is a period of us coming together online. This was really the beginning of 24-hour news. This was the beginning of the internet. This was the anxiety of the millennium. This was the fact that like we had a, a government that was intervening that, that made in, in these kinds of ways that were that, you know, uh, I think demonstrably made things worse than better. Uh, uh, there, there's, there's, there's a, there's a big human story to this uh, that, that you know, I think is, is worth telling. And it is, and part of like in the Ruby Ridge thing with Randy Weaver, part of it allegedly, the reason the FBI was after him was because they wanted him to be an informant against white supremacist groups. Yeah, and and that was why it was there is a lot, you know, mistakes were made, people died, horrible, and and across the board on many of these things and how you deal with these groups and whatnot, and it's changed some of the tactics, but that's part of it too. It's like when you say we need to go after blank, whatever we need to do is justified. You always got to be careful about what that and that's happens. yeah. The more you read about, there was a great Slate podcast series that that went into it, and and that's where I got a lot of my information. But uh, it's a it it's one of those like okay, like just small time lowest 
rung of like federal surveillance kind of stuff that just it it was not this but it felt like you know a a a a, a library book that wasn't returned and may have not even might have even been a clerical error leads to somebody getting the death penalty like like it was it was like just one step on another on another on another on another on another on another and nobody backs down and then next thing you know this guy and his and his family are are surrounded by FBI agents and they're recruiting uh, what was it Paul Harvey to do like a special broadcast to tell them to come out and like it's insane and you know you had if you ever if you ever really want to go do a deep dive to like read like the congressional report like on Waco too because it was like bureaucratic bureaucratic mistake compounding but also one of the things that, that didn't get much attention was um the plan was different the plan was basically to get you know crash outside arrest them whatever but uh there was a period uh, in the interest of openness. The the government had worked with, had told the local news agency, "We're going to be doing this arrest. We want you. To, you guys can be there. Just stay at a distance, whatever." Because the idea was they wanted to do this out in the open. And a was a postal worker come by and saw this news truck or whatever. Like, oh, what's going on? And they're like, oh, we're going to go. They're going to go do an arrest of David Koresh. Oh, really? The postal worker was a friend of the Branch Davidians in the tip off, and but then. Government knew that it had been leaked, and they still did it. Yeah. Went in, and that was a mistake. But it was part of it. But then after that was the policy that changed after. Like, no more telling news crews, no more telling the news or letting the news come in on these things. And it's sort of, you know, we got rid of an important part of kind of oversight or make you know having a third party there for some of these stuff. And it's like, and that's one of these things that I don't know if that ever fully got reversed at like at a, at a federal level, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's there's a lot there's there are times yeah. where I look at our modern world and I I see some of uh, uh, you know the those those 90s lessons that we learned or should have <laughs> the right way yeah yeah so anybody got any happy picks <laughs> uh, I got a pick uh, just the other night I was on HBO Max and looking up seeing what stuff that they had and uh they have uh frisky dingo if you guys remember that that's oh uh, yeah uh the adult swim cartoon from adam reed and uh, uh matt thompson this who was between went on to make what, archer uh, c lab and archer that's right yeah uh the two seasons it's cool it's it's very funny in in terms of like you look at especially the first couple seasons of archer and go okay i could see that this is like a very uh, price efficient animation budget, and then you look at Frisky Dingo and go, "Who oh, damn there?" <laughs> some Turns cheap out stuff. you could spend even less money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the cutout lips moving like they used to do in the super cheap like Mexican animation. You know, well, let's yeah. go over to the library. <laughs> yeah, and just like you know, you can tell like it's kind of got that sort of illustrated style that Archer sort of has, but it's still not consistent, and they haven't really totally figured it out at that point. Um, but you know what? It's a fun little thing, and it's a lot of that same uh, sensibility and style of humor as Archer. So, uh, Frisky Dingo, it's on HBO Max. A bunch of a bunch I, of Adult Swim stuff is on HBO Max, but not everything. I forget the character, but there was one character in Frisky Dingo who was like a spoiled rich guy or whatever. Xander and, Cruz. Uh, he he picks up the phone and just said, "Go time." And uh, and for like a year afterward, that was how I answered the phone from then on. <laughs> yeah. Andrew. 
I have a pick. Um, first, I want to say that I am going to double. I'm going to triple down on the third episode of WandaVision. Ooh. Um, I I'm uh, I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah. And 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 that, the, the the third episode made me like the first episode better. Can can I can I confess something? Like the third episode I watched, and then the next day I was like, well, surely more stuff happened than. Uh, spoiler alert. She had a baby, so I went back and watched it a second time, and it's like, nope, she just had a baby, and everyone gave significant glances a lot, and then what? We're, we're watching different shows, Brian. Maybe so. What are you talking maybe about? so. Like, 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 we could talk about this, but yeah, I, 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 I personally felt a lot, a lot was told to us about the nature of reality, and a lot of questions were posed about the people that are vying for that and whether or not everybody is on the same side. Mm. Uh, uh, they're yeah. I, I, they, they certainly doubled down on all of the questions that were already kind of simmering. And then they said the questions out loud, but I felt like we got scant number of answers. And uh, uh, I, I don't know. I okay. feel, I feel so, like we, we, got, we got, we got, we got a very big answer <laughs> at, at, you at know, about end. halfway through. Yeah, and then we right. got a, a, gigantic game-changing answer at the end uh okay a game confirming answer at the end <laughs> it's only episode three i mean i know it's I know, I know, I know, it changes we didn't know that the yeah. thing that that the yeah, final we... shot we didn't know that could happen okay uh it, it, it was... confirmed the type of thing exactly it confirmed the suspicions that yes correct I yeah I I don't know I, I I there was a bunch of different ways I thought it could have gone Titanic sunk Titanic <laughs> sunk guys movie sucks I was very I know it sinks it sucks I was very glad that the pregnancy thing was just like kind of a one episode thing because I was I part of me was like this is gonna be the rest of could this could possibly be the rest of whatever the, the season is yeah um, I I, I thought it was I'm fun and hijinks I think. Yeah, I think from the first episode, I thought I had a pretty good idea what's going on. And everything about this is confirmed. Like, yep. And I'm loving it. I'm like loving the reveal of the characters. It's like, see that roller coaster? It goes up and then it goes down. Oh, why do I need to do it? No, because I get to go watch the characters and be part of it. And here I'm like, I'm watching their world. It's what make for me, it's like what makes a movie repeatable. Do I enjoy the path of the characters and like watching the characters on this journey as their reality starts to realize around them? I'm loving it. I'm just loving. And then the way they're hitting each aping that style of that decade. And then the way they're able to like also move the story forward. Now they've only got like three more episodes left. So we'll see oh, where is it that goes. It? But I is thought it, it was is nine. just a six episode is, thing. Is it nine? Is, uh, I, I mean, believe I it's I'm wrong. It looks like it's nine here. On... WandaVision was actually in 92. And, uh, <laughs> and then the final episodes were in 93. Yeah, I, I think because we're covering it on Cord Killers, I think Tom mentioned that it's eight episodes and something titled an epilogue. Um, whatever. That is. Uh, all right. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I, I, uh, I enjoy the fact that it seems to be speeding up. That's why I liked the first episode more because the first episode, I, I understood why they had to launch with episodes one and two. Because if it was just episode one, I feel like people would have gotten frustrated with like, what is this show? Um, but with, between episodes one and two, where you see things kind of getting, uh, uh, you know, ratcheted up, the fact that 
by episode three, we're already at a point where things are starting to rip and tear. I was very happy with. I'm like, okay, this show has a purpose and it has the confidence to be able to do the first episode in a way that was very like, no, we're going to bury ourselves in our premise and we're going to give you a little wink and a nod to how weird this is, but no, we're get wrecked. It's bewitched. <laughs> so, you know, uh, uh, that's going to be a part of this and, and the, the odd stuff will get bigger as our story gets bigger. Uh, I, like I said, I loving it. So that, that was my, by the way, my other pick is if you got HBO, HBO max, uh, I tried to get into it when it first came out on HBO and I couldn't get into it. And then now I'm like, well, let me dive into it because there are two seasons out. And that is His Dark Materials, the Golden Compass series. Oh, do you like it? I'm enjoying it. It's not. It's got great production values. Um, It has got some good performances in there. Uh, It is not. It's like the same thing because my issues are like the first series the first few episodes of trying to get into it like it just didn't feel big in the way that it should it kind of dials down once you get bigger and whatnot but i'm still enjoying it uh and we got uh lin-manuel miranda is in it and so he's he plays a very good character and i've never really i haven't even seen hamilton but i'm like oh this guy's great who is he (laughs) oh oh that guy i'm like no i'm like that looks like lin-manuel Miranda. oh it is and so he plays a very good character in it so I would say if you've got HBO, I think that's worth checking out. I, I don't know. Are they going to do a season three? But it was like a co-production, you know, so it wasn't really a big hit for HBO, but it was because BBC One was the primary producer. So I don't know if they're doing a season three, hmm. um, but I'm almost at the end of season one. I'm enjoying it, but I'm not going to say cool. like, oh, put this at the top of your list. It does look like it has a third final season ordered. That's good. Yep, cool. So that'll be cool. So they they cover like I because the first part was like your first few episodes, you're watching the same stuff in the movie. And that was driving me nuts. Was like, yeah, I saw this movie. I saw this movie. Yeah. And it was okay. It wasn't great. And then then it's once it gets past there into its own space, then it gets kind of a bit more interesting. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>